The good, the bad, and the ugly. With Terence Pillay. Avith, what exactly is ADHD? So ADHD has two components. It's uh, inattentiveness. So attention deficit is the AD. And the HD is the hyperactivity. So when we're looking at diagnosing a child with ADHD, we have to look at those two components in order to fit a criteria. And we use what we call the DSM-5 criteria in order to identify whether the child meets the full criteria or not. Mm-hmm. And so, I think so that's the main thing. So Basically, what you're looking for are these symptoms need to be present for at least six months and the child needs to show sort of malfunction or maladaptive behavior in two environments, that being either at home or at school or in a social environment on the weekends with family members. So it can't just be something that's in one environment, for example, at school, but the child, when the child gets home, you know, the parents don't notice any of those features. And that's important because... If it is just one environment, then one needs to look at what in that environment is causing the issue. And that's why it's important. And it's stipulated in the DSM-5 criteria that you need it in at least two or more settings. Yeah. So let me put, uh, paint the scenario for you. Uh, my case study last mm. week said that the kid was acting out in school, but not at home. Mm. And then the school recommended that they see a clinical mm. psych- a, cl- a child psychologist yes. and um, the child so- psychologist then recommended mood stabilizers what is your opinion of that scenario in that situation i think as i've mentioned because you've only got it in one environment it's unlikely that the child would need to be medicated because these children when they're maladaptive and it's something like typically adhd it doesn't matter where they are they are going to be hyperactive and inattentive and so for me if it's happening only at school then we need to address and find out what's happening at school that sort of maybe if it's the school environment or if there's something in particular in the class uh, a kid or another child that's causing the child to become hyperactive then that may be something that we need to look at so you know when the show aired last week we had a record number of comments and uh, uh, stories from parents Um, so it seems to be quite a hot topic but what have you seen in your own practice to be quite honest with you, Terence, um, ADHD makes up at least 30% of my practice at the moment. Yeah, And I'm getting more and more referrals, more and more new referrals, which is a good and a bad thing. The reason why, you know, sometimes I feel that teachers are pressured almost to, to, for kids to perform. And so as a backdrop, they're like, look, put the child on medication. The flip side is also that we're seeing kids that really need to be on the medication detected a lot earlier and thus put onto treatment earlier and so their outcomes are better. So it's a double-edged sword and it just depends on which side you fall on. But yes, more and more kids are being picked up. Number one, because I think teachers are more aware of it. Um, And number two, I also feel that there's a lot of pressure on teachers to try and get kids to pass. Mm. So is that not just an easy route then? It is sort of a safety net and that's why we, as well in the health profession we advocate that you know you go to someone that's going to screen you that you know does the proper assessments and then decides um, whether the child needs to be on some form of therapy rather because that can be either medication or non uh, sort of pharmaceutical medication as well Mm. so you're a pediatric neurologist yes take me through what happens in the brain of a child that is diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. So I think let's just step a little bit back before we go on what happens in their brain. Firstly, we because there's two entities. Now, typically, the age of onset for ADHD, let's start there, is at around four years. 
Mm. Um, and what happens there is that you pick up the hyperactivity first. So the child that's sort of getting up, they're not focusing, they're here, they're there, they're bouncing off the walls. And those are typically occurs in boys. So hence boys will tend to present a lot earlier than girls. Girls tend to have the more inattentive type. So they'll be sitting down and they'll lose focus and, you know, they'll sort of be easily distracted. So they won't be hyperactive, but they won't be focused. And girls, therefore, present a little bit later. And what happens is that as the years go on and when school becomes a little bit more demanding and you need to focus a little bit more, that's why at around the age of about four to six, that's when kids start presenting with these symptoms because that's when they're really there to sort of focus and the schoolwork becomes a bit more with regards to volume and they need to educate. So what happens in these kids is that they just have this, in for the hyperactivity case, they just have this feeling that they need to move. They just mm. have to move. They have to be on the go. Um, sometimes they'll blurt out answers before the question's even finished. That's what happens with the hyperactive child. The inattentive child tends to be sort of distracted and lack of focus per se. And that's the two entities. So they just sort of get a little bit bored and sort of wonder. And then you have to bring them back again. And that's what happens with them. Yeah. And so mm. I think where I'm getting at is that these drugs that are prescribed mm. to address these problems. Yes. What does that do to the brain? Does it balance the imbalances? Okay. So what what's typically used is methylphenidate. That's the active drug ingredient. And what that does is it increases the dopamine within the brain. So it prevents the uptake of dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain. So it's one of the chemicals that allows the brain cells to sort of talk to each other. And by having a lot of that around, you can then understand that the sort of the cells are able to interact with each other a lot better and, and more. And that's why focus is a lot better with regards to that. Mm. And uh, I've read, though, that there could mm. be some serious uh, long-term yes. repercussions. Yes, yes. What are those? So the one that we typically worry about is methylphenidate and excessive dopamine levels can actually suppress appetite. So let's just talk about that, for example. Now, if you can imagine that you have a child who's hyperactive, or now you put them on a drug that also decreases their appetite, what actually happens is that you can, over the long-term period, weight becomes a problem, height becomes a problem. So these children then become stunted and they have underweight or they're malnourished so those are aspects that we also need to look at so yes they may be acing in class but if you've got all these other problems then you know you're running into issues there mm. furthermore if you don't have a balanced diet it's going to affect your concentration so you need to be very careful when you're starting these kids on these treatments that you need to also look at that as a, almost a comorbidity that can occur and do these kids need to see a medical professional as opposed to just going to uh, a child psychologist or a psychiatrist or someone like that? Yeah, I, I think so. In in my experience and the children that I've seen, I would strongly recommend it because I've seen the sort of long-term effects where kids have been stunted and have been sort of, you know, malnourished and obviously not picked up because when they're on treatment, they're doing well at school. But I think when you see a, sort of a neurologist or pediatrician if I may say they would rather look at the child holistically and you know do the plots and make sure they're growing well and things like that as well so I would actually recommend that they do see uh, a pediatrician or a pediatric neurologist because at the end of the day we're talking about kids that are four five six years yes. old here. yes yeah yeah. I mean, should we be medicating kids that are that young? No. So 
the literature out there actually stipulates that you, sh- you know, under the age of six, treatment should only be your second or third line option. And behavioral therapy with the parents and the school, um, that be the main and first line therapy. And in fact, Francis pushed that to the event where they're actually trying to prevent sort of th- uh, medicating their, their school going kids at all. Mm. Um, and it's been working. And I think what happens here, Terence, is that there's a lot of negative enforcement that happens. Because you can imagine if you have a hyperactive child who's bouncing all over the show, the first thing to do is to be like, no, stop doing that. Otherwise, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to take away your toys, take away your games. Then the child feels like, okay, fine. If I need attention, I need to be more hyperactive. Mm. Then the only form of sort of feedback they're getting is this negative feedback. And then that filters through into school and it filters through into their social uh, activities. Whereas if you try and reinforce provide an environment where you actually say okay well done even if it's a little bit that the child has done but give positive reinforcement then the child learns okay i don't have to be bouncing all over the show if i do this i'm going to get positive rewards in in return and that's what behavioral therapy looks at changing the mindset of the parents to sort of instead of being negative up front be positive and also ensure that the environment that the child is in is non-distracting mm-hmm. um, and that's the other thing that one needs to look at and I feel the third thing that um, sort of hampers here is technology unfortunately and the mm-hmm. access that these kids have to cell phones and tablets I mean um, a study showed that in the US up to 100% of kids have been exposed to screens by the age of four months 100%. and what that does is what, what, what people don't understand is that if you expose your child earlier to the screen it's extremely addictive they did another study where they compared cocaine um, addicts and they did special brain scans on them and they compared them to kids that had more than three hours of screen time under the age of six and they found that they had similar patterns indicating how addictive a screen can be to an immature brain and And parents are using these tablets and all of that as babysitters exactly and what happens then is that these kids then sort of they just feed off that and the other thing they don't do is that how often have you gone to a restaurant and you've seen the Mm. whole family all of them head down in a cell phone or a screen what that does is that it doesn't show the child how to act in a social environment so now here you have a child who's only exposed to a screen they don't know how to to sort of interact in a social setting how then do you expect them not to be hyperactive and be the type of children that are like give me what I want otherwise I'm going to just bounce off the walls listen I'd like to have you back in here for um, that's a whole other show yeah i think we need to definitely discuss that but Mm. what is your first line here um if your child is acting out at school Mm. possibly acting out at home Mm. what should be the first line of um or sort of your first port of call if the child is acting out number one depending on their age you know see exactly what is going on Uh, is it something new or has a child had it and then it's slowly getting worse and worse because that's a different scenario as compared to a child who's in in that environment has been doing well and then all of a sudden something's happened because if it's an acute thing then we need to see what happened at that stage Um, if it's something that's been progressively going on remember other things can also mimic ADHD for example epilepsy if a child is having seizures and they're not controlled or you know that then the child uh, you can imagine that the brain is not functioning properly and as a result clinically manifests as an hyperactive child so for me i would say if it's something like that or something that's rambling wrong go to a pediatrician or a pediatric neurologist let them let them take the history 
do the examination, do the screening tool to, to, to determine if the child really has ADHD or is there something else and investigate accordingly. So all these parents that have written to me saying that they are battling with the problem of the schools insisting that their kids go on medication to control their behavior and that sort of thing. What advice do you have for them? What I would say is actually come in, see a pediatric neurologist or a pediatrician. Let them examine the child. Let them, sorry, let them take a history first. Come in with a school report as well so that we know exactly what the school's concerns are. We can then find out from the parents what the home environment is like. Then look at doing the screening test for these children then examining the child to see if there's nothing else that that, that may be affecting learning because even iron deficiency you know anemia those type of things can can also affect concentration and that which is something that would need to be looked for on a physical examination and thereafter find out what the true assessment of the child is is the child just adhd does he fit the full he or she fit the full criteria and do they then subsequently need treatment or do we need to investigate for some of the other comorbidities that can present with with ADHD symptoms.